needed. Amen. Thank you, Lord. That was good words there, encouragement. Several were released. I pray that you were receiving what was being spoken. Um, you know, when God is releasing a word, when, when, when God is using someone else to speak, it's good to respond to it. In your heart, you don't have to necessarily do something with your with your body, although that can be if you want to. If you want to make motions, you know, like the kids, I just love it because they worship. They just make the motions. They're like, "Okay, we're running towards you, Lord. Okay, I'm running towards you." You know, when you get older, you're all stuck, right? Lord, I'm running towards you. You are. Looks like you're just standing there. Um, <laughs> But anyway, you don't, you don't have to do it, but it's the heart, right? It's, it's the heart that says, yes. But sometimes it's good just to say, I need that, or I want that, or I receive that, or that's for me. I mean, just tell yourself that, that's for me. I'm taking that to my heart right now. I'm, I'm taking that home with me. I need to, I'm writing that down. I don't know. Just, you know, sometimes there's, there's things that God is getting our attention with, and he gives it to us and we forget him because we don't respond. We don't, we don't take the time to, to make it a part of our, our lives and, and make it important because we have so much information right now, right? Anybody have a lot of information in their life? I mean, we have information coming at us all over. I can know what's going on in all kinds of different places around the world or I can know how stupid people are. I mean, I can, you know, by being on social media, uh, whatever. I mean, we can have all kinds of information but information doesn't change you. You can have information about God. You can, you can know your Bible front to back. But if you don't have transformation, if you don't have a heart connection with Him, then it's just, it's just info. I mean, I can, it's just like sharing a post on wherever you share a post at. You know, it's like I see people, they just share these things all the time. Like, did you even read that? Come up with something on your own. Like, get something from God and share it. Don't just recycle somebody else's leftovers. Anyway, now I'm just preaching at some issue or something. I'm not trying to do that. But my point is to respond to the Lord, uh, to respond to what He's doing, to, to, to take a second. Don't, don't try to move on to the next thing. Uh, you know, sometimes we just, we're ready to move on to the next thing. So I appreciate the sensitivity of everybody here just to kind of hang around in God's presence and see what he's saying. So uh, today we are, we are going to be in Exodus again. We're going to start there and we're going to go back to the New Testament just like we did last week. Exodus 37. You know, I was at uh, 
Do you want to turn to Exodus 37? We're going to just start there briefly. It's interesting that we sang that last song. Um, I don't know, Felicia's not in here because she was, anyway, she was unsure about, should that be the last song or not? But uh, that last song, Waymaker, was actually written by someone in Africa. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, it wasn't written by whoever the popular artist is that's playing it on the radio. Uh, I believe it was a lady in Africa wrote the song. And it's actually originally with a real, like, African groove. You know, it's like this real syncopated type thing. Uh, it does, it's not all, ooh, it's, it's more like. So, hey, so, I, so anyways, this, this week was Africa week for me. I want you to know, uh, last Sunday afternoon, I got to join uh, uh, Redeemed Church of God, a boat of testimonies, which is one of the African churches here in Midland for their 10th anniversary so I um, mean, I just love it because they worship and they they dance too, and they don't like wild dance. They're just like like this, you know. I'm like I can almost do this, like, uh, and the beat you know goes with it, you know. And so uh, we got to got to celebrate with them. And then during the week, I was invited to this other uh, meeting um, where uh, I met an Ethiopian pastor. Uh, with Watch and Pray Ministries uh, at a home, and there were several, you know, there was people from all kinds of different churches gathered, just a small group, like 20 of us or whatever, uh, gathered together. And so the, this pastor was there, and uh, he wasn't super good at English, so he did, I, I, assume, I don't know what the language is in Ethiopia. I assume it's Ethiopian, but I don't know that. <laughs> no idea what it's called. So he's speaking and being translated, and so he's talking about the movement right there in Africa where they have, they have 80% young people in their church. Now, here's the catch, though. In Africa right now, 70% of the people are 24 and under. Now, obviously, I can guess as to why there's, a lot of, there's been a lot of disease and effects and a lot of warfare. You know, a lot of people have been killed. That's part of the reason. But they've also had a lot of children. So, but right now, in the church, they're seeing this, this movement because that's who there is to reach, is to reach young people. So they're filling up with young people. And now Africa is saying, Africa, Africa's like, they're declaring, we're going to be the one that saves the world. I mean, in other words, they know it's Jesus, okay? But in other words, we're being, we're going to go and we're going to touch the world. We're, we're going to make a difference. We're going we're gonna to go into all nations and we're going to tell people about Jesus. So anyway, it's just kind of cool to hear what's going on around the world, just to be excited to meet this, this pastor who's a pastor of a bunch of, you know, overseer of churches in Ethiopia and stuff. And I asked him, hey, do you know Foursquare? He said, oh yeah, I know Foursquare. I said, okay, good. So uh, anyway, but God is up to so many good things. So be encouraged, uh, but also, you know, even if I don't see him, he's working. You're like, well, that's great for Africa and Turkey, uh, but I live on, you know, 3rd Street. Is, do we even have a 3rd Street? <laughs> I live on A Street. <laughs> is God moving on A Street? And the answer is, yeah. <laughs> Guess what? He's moving on my street. Because he's moving in me. Jesus is still alive. He's doing something right now. So let's, let's stay connected to him. Let's, let's not just go through life and try to make it through life. If you're just making it through and that's the season you're in, hey, good. I mean, just 
Don't not make it through. Keep making it. But guess what? God's got more than just making it through. He's got, he's got more than just, I'm surviving in this life. He, he has something better for us. So I want to start today, uh, and I'm just going to read this short section of Exodus, and we're going to make some, some application in it. We're still, I can't get out of Exodus yet. I also can't keep doing what I feel like I want to do in Exodus, Pastor Jerry. So uh, we're, going to, we're just going to go with, we're going to go with what I feel like the Lord's sensing this week. So Exodus 37, verse 1, Holy Spirit, open the word to us. And it says, Bezalel made the ark of acacia wood, two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, a cubit and a half high. He overlaid it with pure gold, both inside and out, and made a gold molding around it. He cast four gold rings for it and fastened them to its four feet with two rings. Then he made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. He inserted the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry it. Hallelujah. Just like last week, right? And you're like, where are we going? He made the atonement cover or the mercy seat of pure gold. He made it a certain length. And he made two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. He made one cherub on one end, the second cherub on the other. At the two ends, he made them of one piece with the cover. And the cherubim had their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with them. And the cherubim faced each other, looking towards each other. So I have a picture of this. So we can have a picture of what the ark may have looked like from the description in Scripture right here. It's pretty cool looking. I love the pure gold. Um, lots of gold when God made stuff. But here's, all, here's, here's why I'm bringing this up. Is the, the ark was, was the centerpiece of the tabernacle. Kind of like what we talked about last week. And what, what, what did the ark represent? It had the, the presence of God. Right, that's, that's where the presence of God was. That's where it says that the, the manifest glory of God actually came down and was kind of like hovering between the, the cherubim there, you know, the angels and kind of, you know, and, and only one person, only one person once a year got to go in there. And you're like, well, how'd they carry it? Well, the poles were super long and they, they just draped it covered and so they would carry it. And so it was, it was covered, even when they had to travel. Then they'd park the tent, you know, and then set it up and erect the tent back up, and there it was. It was still in place. The only person who got to go in there was the high priest. So can you imagine that only one person once a year could be in the presence of God? It's amazing. And so what the high priest would do is he would go into the Holy of Holies. You know, there were several sections of the temple. There's the outer courts. Um, and then there was the, holiest place, the holy place, and then there was the most holy place. This is covered by, by curtains. Uh, and so the priest would go in once a year. First, he would kill a bull or a ram, and he would go inside, and he would sprinkle the blood on top of the ark on top of the atonement cover, the mercy seat. And so that was for his sin. Then he would take also the blood of the lamb that was sacrificed for the sins of the people, and he would take it from his hands, I think is what I read, and, 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 and sprinkle the blood onto the, onto the ark, onto the car, 
So really the ark uh, probably had a lot of blood on the cover. So when it says, here's the, here's the atonement cover or the, or the mercy seat, it was covered in blood. Because that was the only way into the presence of God, was blood. Somebody had to die for me to be right with God. And of course, if we turn to the New Testament, we get good news. Remember last week we talked about how we're all a kingdom of priests. In other words, we're all carriers of the presence of God. We all get to minister to God. We all get to have interaction with God. We all, we all get to have you know, his, 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 his mark on our lives where we are set apart for Him. And we, we, are, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? We can, have the, we can carry the very presence of God. If you're a child of God, you carry the very presence of God with you. But we have a high priest. We still have a high priest. We're not used to that, right? Because we're not, we're not like Catholic. Or maybe you were previously Catholic, but we're not used to the word priest. I'm not your priest. Jesus is. <laughs> we don't, you don't need to confess your sins to me. Thus you want to. It doesn't, doesn't help. <laughs> I, don't, I can't do anything for you. It does, there's no, I, I can't tell you to do something and, and you get right with God because Jesus already took care of that. And so Jesus is our high priest in Hebrews chapter 4. I want you to turn there, Hebrews chapter 4. And I just love, I can't get away from the phrase that's just been stirring that, that where the presence of God is, he called it the mercy seat. You know, because we, we need the mercy of God in our lives. How many of you need mercy, right? How many of you have done some stupid things this week? <laughs> How many of you have your spouse have done some stupid things this week? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. How many of you have kids who've done some amazing things this week? Hebrews 4 and 14. Because, see, the Old Testament, you have to know that everything in the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. Everything is getting to Jesus. So you don't, you don't stay stuck in the Old Testament. You've you got to get to Jesus. And it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, that's who He is, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Since we have a great high priest who's ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess or profess or possess. Fine. (laughs) That works too, but it says profess. So because of Jesus, you can stand firm. You get to do that. I think God's speaking messages here. I will not be shaken. I'm going to stand firm in my faith because I have Jesus in heaven working for me. In Hebrews 9, it says that Jesus is making intercession for me right now. What does that mean? It means Jesus is praying for me. Jesus is standing between me and God the Father right now, that He is ever living to do that. And so that way I can, be, I can hold on, I can be bold, I can be confident 
I can be confident once again that Jesus is doing what he said he will do. So have faith. Have faith. Have faith in God. Have faith in Jesus. Trust in him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Stop trying to figure it out with your own understanding. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize or sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been emptied in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Tempted, excuse me, tempted (laughs) in every way. (laughs) Boy. You don't want to know what I saw. There's parentheses around that word. (laughs) Let me read that again. For we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. I mean, this is good news right here. This is good news because it means Jesus gets you. Not necessarily a fan of those commercials, but whatever. Jesus gets you. He knows what it's like to be tempted in every way. If you think, hey, there's nobody else that knows what I'm going through, guess what? Jesus does. He knows what it's like to have the weakness that you have. He knows what it's like to say, I've, I've, you know, Jesus went through a whole lot in just 33 years. I mean, most likely his father died when he was young. Once he started doing things for God, it was kind of cool for a while. Then everybody started rejecting him. He was opposed by the people who should have welcomed him. The religious community rejected him. I mean, he went in, he came to his own people, and his own knew him not, the Bible says. Can you imagine coming to your own? It's like walking into your family, and they're like, forget you. Imagine coming home, and some of you maybe have done that. You come home, and you you face rejection. That your, your, your own family has been, been the, the worst point of rejection in your life where it's like, you're, we don't want you. I don't want you. They just said, we want to get rid of you. We want to throw you away. Get away from us. We want nothing to do with you. And then the people that said they were going to stick with him, you got these 12 guys... And he actually had a bunch of ladies, as we know, with him and different people that were traveling. But he had the 12 disciples. Then one of them did the ultimate thing. They betrayed him. I was watching a message this week that said the the betrayal that Jesus experienced hurt way more than the nails. Because betrayal hurts way worse than any physical pain. Right? If you've been betrayed by somebody, that, that, is, that is a pain that goes deep into your heart. That's a pain that, 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 that lingers. I mean, broken bones can heal. You can have, you know, you, you'll, you'll recover from different things. You can have surgery and all these different pains that come into our life. But man, you get betrayed by somebody, that's a pain that can last apart from Jesus healing your heart, right? You need a spiritual surgery at that point. I need, I need a... I need a spiritual surgeon to to do some healing in my heart. But Jesus, so he's been through it all. 
He's been through it all. You've been left all alone by everybody else? He's been through it. Once Jesus is arrested, what does it say all his friends did? See ya! And they had just said, if I have to die with you, I'm never going to leave you for the next five minutes. But after that, I'm done. (laughs) I will stick with you for five minutes. (laughs) Actually, it was right after that that Jesus said, hey, come pray with me. And they're like, I'll pray with you for five minutes. And Jesus is like, I'm going for an hour. (laughs) I'm just getting warmed up. (laughs) We've we've just started and you're already asleep. (laughs) Could you not watch with me for, you know, I mean, these guys are supposed to get it. Even the ones that are supposed to get it, it's like they can't even, they can't even stand with Jesus in the time that he needs them most. So if you've had any of those kinds of things happen, it may not be the exact thing, but he has felt what you feel. He's been through what you've been through. It's an old song by Petra. He's been in my shoes. Look it up. It's on the ancient internet channel. (laughs) He's been through what I have been through. So you have somebody who's able to sympathize and empathize with your weaknesses. You're like, man, I just can't make it. Guess what? Jesus knows what it's like to be in your position. Now, he's obviously, we know he's the son of God, but he was without sin. Now, that's a key point because it's cool that Jesus can be sympathized with us, but if he wasn't without sin, then he couldn't sacrifice for us. He had to be perfect, the perfect sacrifice. And guess what? He went into the very presence of God as a high priest. Guess what? With his own blood. Jesus is so awesome because he's he's not only the high priest, he's also the sacrifice. He is all encompassing, all everything that was needed, what Jesus brought in. And he brings it in. It says he stepped into heaven. Somehow, how that all works, I don't know if it's while he's on the cross, spiritually, whatever. You know, I'm not trying to figure all that stuff out. But it says that he came into heaven and he presented himself as the sacrifice and his blood was poured out and so that the presence of God could come down to earth. And the very presence of God could come into my life because of his mercy and his grace. So the good news is, is that Jesus has been through what you've been through, but he came out victorious. You know, I want to I want to I want to know someone who's who's beat the level. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You play games or something, you're like, I can't get past this one level. I can't figure out how to whatever you play games with. I don't even play games anymore, but um, You know, I just, can't, I just can't beat this. You need somebody to show you, right? I mean, now you just look on YouTube, right? How do I get past this level? When we were kids growing up, we didn't have YouTube. Just shocking point for you, the few people that are young. I didn't look anything up on YouTube when I was a kid because it didn't exist. <laughs> so when I wanted to beat The Legend of Zelda on Nintendo Entertainment System, guess what? I had to figure it out. (laughs) 
I don't remember if I did or not. But when you have your friend who's figured it out and says, all you got to do is do this, that's the friend you want. You need the friend that says, I've been through this. I know how to get out of this. I know how to overcome this. I know how to beat this. And that's who Jesus is. He was tempted and he was weak in his, in his human body. But guess what? He was without sin. Every single time he won. Every single time. Man, that's good news. That's good news. Because it's cool to have somebody that knows what you're going through, but then you can, you know, if neither of you have conquered it, you just sit in your own misery, right? You're like, oh, oh it's a horrible life. And, oh, yep, I know what it's like because I'm with you. And you're like, yes, you do know what it's like. Anyway, I don't know why I'm being so silly. <clears throat> but we can do that, right? We get someone commiserating with us and we, we stay where we are. We stay, we stay stuck, but we need someone who says, I've been there, but I'm not there. I've been there. Here's how I'm free. Guess what? And this is the even better news. He's like, guess what? I'm going to pay for your freedom. I'm going to make, I'm going to make it sure it happens. I'm going to take care of it for you. I'm going to beat the level for you. And then you still get to put your name in the credits. High score. John. Yeah, it was really Jesus. But he did it in me. He did it in me. Let us then, because of all this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. You can come to Him boldly. You can come to Him boldly. It's not, it's not arrogance to come to God and say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this right now. Because Jesus already paid for it. Here's the thing. You have to believe that Jesus paid for it. You have to believe that Jesus did it. You have to believe that, that it's already been completed. That Jesus said, when he said it's finished, he means it is finished. If you believe you still have to work your way up to it or work your way for it, then you're never going to see the healing in your life. Whatever, whatever you're looking for. But if you go in believing, I'm going into the very throne to get what I need. Because Jesus has already paid for it. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Here's what happens. You receive mercy and you find grace. Those words are very specific there. The mercy you get, you just, you just, you just hold your hands open. You just say, God, I need your mercy. I mean, we need the mercy. I just, I just cannot get over that the presence of God and, and the ark, it also represented the throne of God. And so you get the picture here. Jesus, or the writer of Hebrews, is saying, look, come to the throne where you're going to find mercy. I mean, Hebrews, of course, is a very Jewish book. Everybody would have known. They would have known, oh, he's talking. He's talking about the cover, the mercy seat. I can go in. 
I can go in and I can receive that mercy into my life. All I have to do is receive. Christmas is easy for kids, right? It's not easy for parents and grandparents, right? We're like buying all this stuff. We've got to wrap all this stuff. We've got to put it together the night before or early that morning or something. Then we are saying to ourselves, why did we buy this? <laughs> or you're saying, why did my parents buy this for my kids? <laughs> not ours. They're perfect. So... Um, Never thought that in my life. (laughs) Man, it's easy on Christmas morning for a kid, right? Because you don't do nothing. You just wake up and receive. That's fun. And then you grow up and you become an adult and like, this is not magic. I mean, whether you believe in Santa Claus or not, I'm not here to try to destroy that belief. Um, per se. (laughs) You find out at some point, it's not magic. Somebody did something so you could receive something. Somebody put some work in so you could receive. But the receiving is easy. So when you come to God, receive like a kid at Christmas. Just open the gift. Just open the gift. Just just get what he has and believe you have it. Have faith in God. Believe that what you've asked for, you will receive. So you receive mercy, but it says you find grace. What's mercy? Mercy is just, you know, the mercy of God to forgive whatever you need to be forgiven of. To cleanse your life of whatever you need to be cleansed for. To make, make atonement and... Res, re, uh, what am I trying to say? To cover what you need. To say you don't get what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve for your sin. But grace is power. And so you find grace. So you receive mercy and you find grace. What does it mean to find grace? In other words, there's a revelation God gives you to say, here's the power to overcome for next time. Next time you're in that situation. Last time, yeah, you, you failed. Receive the mercy. Okay, you're, you're clean. Look, you're clean. Just, just don't worry. Let's not worry about cleaning yourself up. You're clean. Now find the grace. Now I'm going to give you what you need so that next time you will overcome. You go to Jesus and you receive mercy and you find grace. You'll find that His grace is enough. (laughs) That He really can give you what you need to overcome. That He will give you what you need to be victorious. He'll give you what you need to live at peace. Whatever it is that you're in need of. It says, let us then approach the throne of grace. Because Jesus went in before us. He's already taken care of it. And it says in Hebrews that He sat down. And the high priest, as I've said before, they only sat down when they were done. After they did all the stuff, and then they would, you know, they had another, you know, 
goat where they would place their hands on the goat, send out the scapegoat. And I mean, there's all kinds of pictures and imagery of getting rid of the sin and all those things. But once he was done, he would just sit down. That was it. He's done. And it says that Jesus sat down in heaven. In other words, he's like, I've done the work. Now receive. Find it. <laughs> Here's the grace. I don't know if it's like one of those things, you know, where you, those Christmas, uh, uh, like scavenger hunts, you know, where you get the note in the box. Go look here first. Go look here first. You know, I'm not saying God's like that, but he wants you to find it. Sometimes you go to scavenger hunts at people's house, you can't figure them out, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to make sure that you figure it out. He's not hiding it from you. He's hiding it for you. There's a difference, right? We all know if you have kids or grandkids, you, I can hide something and they'll never find it. But I can hide something where they are empowered and they go, I found this. I'm like, yeah, you did. <laughs> I wanted you to find it. And that's the way it is with the Lord. He wants you to find the grace that you need in your life. So let us then, this is what we do. Like we need Bible application. This is it. Approach the throne of grace. Are you in need of mercy? Did you, did you jack it up this week? Okay. Receive the mercy. Unwrap the gift. Do you need grace? You're like, I'm, re- I'm ready to be empowered. I'm ready to be equipped. Okay, guess what? The throne of grace. Here's where you get Everything you need is with Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's, let's stand and pray. This is, I don't need to say anything else. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for encouraging us with Your Word, God. Thank you for drawing us and wooing us with the Word of God this morning. That, that we, we are, we are, our appetite is wetting. You're making us hungry for more of You, God. I just sense that even before our service this morning, that God wants to awaken hunger in your life. God is wanting to stir your heart to say, I, I want to go after Him. I'm not, I'm not giving 75% anymore. I'm, 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 I'm going all in. I'm going after this. I'm going I'm to pray like I've never prayed before. I'm going to worship like I've never worshipped before. I'm going to seek you like I've never sought you before. I'm going to love like I've never loved before. I'm going to give like I've never given before because I'm, I'm finding the grace. I'm receiving the mercy. I am in the very presence of God. Thank you for your promises. Thank you, Lord, that you said that all the promises that you have are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you've gone in for us. Thank you for your blood. Thank you that your blood paid everything. That, Jesus, you did pay it all. Thank you that I don't have to pay the price. I don't have to beat myself up. I don't have to try to be better. I don't have to hustle to be first because you have paid the way for me to enter into your presence, enter into your family, enter into your grace to be empowered and equipped and strengthened by you. That we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Thank you, Lord. 
Stir up hunger, Lord. Anybody who just says, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not even seeking after God. I'm not, even, I'm not even going after Him at all. God, awaken something in us. Awaken a hunger once again. Oh, we need you, God. It's, it's, it's at the throne. Even if you're, I'm like, I, I'm not even, I don't even want this, God. Help me want it. I can find it at the throne of grace. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to us. Thank you, Lord, for revealing things to, to, to ones in this room who need to see something new. Thank you for showing us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you, if you just need God, somebody to, to pray with you, please, please don't leave right now. I just feel like there's a, there's a grace right now that God wants to release. And so if you, if you need healing in your body, uh, if you weren't able to come Friday night, if you need healing, if you need to touch, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you're like, I've never, I've never made Jesus my, my Lord and Savior. I don't even know all that you're talking about, but I know I need Him. Come on up here and, and give your heart to Jesus. Now is a good day to get right with Jesus. Now is a good day to receive His mercy for the first time. So whatever you need, come on up here and we'll pray with you as long as we need to pray.